I want to talk about something that is how to make you a fisher of men. This is going to be Mark chapter 1, New Testament book of Mark. The gospel of Mark uh, can be thought of really as a gospel of action, if you think about it. God has given us four different pictures of our Lord and Jesus Christ. We have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew and Luke are really like the, um, if you will, it's like a detailed PowerPoint of the life of Jesus. And, and John is a portrait of the beauty of Jesus. And Mark is more like an action-packed motion picture of Jesus. It's quick. It's to the point. So if you ever take any theological classes, they call the book of Mark a cue. They think a lot of the other books spun off of that one the book of Mark. So I told um, Leanne a while back, I said, you know, I believe we're going to start doing a, a, I'm not necessarily going to call this a series, but we want to go back to what the gospel is, and the best way to do that is to go to Mark and see where it takes us. And the first place it took us was fishers of men. That's where we're going to start reading verse 14. You think about, if you read Mark, the Gospel of Mark, there, there's, there's key words like immediately, forthwith, straightway, all that kind of thing are action words you see within Mark. And, and it starts, verse 14 starts, now that John was put in prison. That is John the Baptist. Okay, just to make, that's some of that other, 1 through 13. Okay, that's John the Baptist. So the action, John's been put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye, and believe the gospel. Now as he walked by the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, and Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were, they were fishers. And Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. And straightway they forsook their nets and followed him. And when he had gone a little farther thence, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who was also in in their ship, mending their nets. Straightway he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the ship, and the hired servants, and they went after him. This is a story of Jesus calling his first disciples. Okay, his first disciples. They were literally fishermen. They fished for a living. But God made them mighty fishers of men. Okay? All Christians are to be fishers of men. Let's pray. Dear God, as we're here this morning, Lord, we know that you are God and above you there is no other. Lord, I just pray this year, 2022, Lord, that we can get a grasp of the gospel like this church has never got a grasp of it before. We can be so on fire for what it can do in this world we live in, Lord, that we just can't contain ourselves. Lord, that we tell everyone in love, but in truth, the gospel. For it's in the lovely name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.
Now, I don't know of anything more exciting, more thrilling than for God to move in the spirit of someone lost or someone backsliding, someone that's not on the straight and narrow way. I don't know anything in this world that could be more thrilling is to see someone humbly walk up an aisle in humility and in faith. Now, what does it take for that to happen? Only two things. Them to hear and then them to respond. Okay? So, the Gospel of Mark, what Mark starts off with is Jesus calling the first four. And we want to talk a little bit about them as we go through this. I want you to think about them. You sort of fit one or the other I'm going to talk about. It's either going to be Peter or Andrew, and I'll, I'll get there in a minute. We can and should be fishers of men. The Great Commission is not a suggestion. It is not a, if you feel like it on Sunday afternoons, do this. What does the Great Commission say? Go ye therefore and tell all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. The promise that goes with that is wherever you go that I will be with you and I will never leave you or forsake you. That's the Great Commission. Jesus said that right before, after the 40 days of walking on earth after the resurrection. He said that right before he went back to heaven. That's our marching orders. So we think about this. Everybody, probably most people here have literally fished. Bass, brim, flounder, something. Saltwater fresh. Everybody around here is probably fished. So the, the object of fishing is to bring something from the water, from life, they are living in the water, up to death, and hopefully your plate, and then in your belly to consume. The object of fishing for men, for men are just the opposite. We try to help people out of death into life. That's good stuff. That's good news, ain't it? That would be good news. If you can tell people and they actually believe that there's coming a day they're going to stand before the throne and answer for the things they've done in this world, that should make lots of people very nervous. And when it does, then the good news of God can come in, the finishing work of Jesus on the cross. That can come in, and they can be saved. So we have Jesus calling the first four, and I want that to be a challenge to us. I want to talk a little bit about them, what he did, how he did it, to empower you to be the same, of the same accord. Jesus said, to one of them, come after me, he said to them, he said this in verse 17, come after me, come ye after me, I will make you to become fishers of men. God has never asked you to do anything that he's not equipping you to do. It may not be evident in the beginning. Believe me, I can testify to that. 
in the call to the ministry. I, I, God and I had this little argument. I said, tip is short. There's some younger folks that can do this better than me. I've been a grown man all my life. I was 40-some years old when all this started. The call to my life to be a preacher. I had already worked 20 years in textiles. I said, God ought to have somebody else. But the truth of the matter is, God had worked through my life as such, I was finally ready to listen. And I could be somebody that was useful. Okay? So the same goes for you. No matter the age, God expects us as a church, and you as church members, to spread the good news. Okay? And that's what the gospel really means. Anybody kind of little fuzzy about what the word gospel actually means, it is in essence good news. Okay? It is in essence good news. So if for some reason something happened politically that you really want to happen, whatever that may be, would you not tell people that you found out it happened? Whatever it is, whatever it is that you want. Whatever would, would, would lift some of your burden up, and I'm talking about a political realm here. I'm talking about government stuff, president stuff. Anything like that that would change to your favor that you would like the way it is, or if you like the way it is now, just maintain. Wouldn't you really want to tell somebody? I'm just wondering who I could keep not to tell anybody, right? Same thing with the gospel. If you truly believe the gospel is good news, then why aren't you telling it? The Bible calls people who share the good news fishers of men. Okay? They call them fishers of men. So I want us to take a look at, at three things today. It'll be per, pretty quick, hopefully. And get, get, if we can get this in our heart, if we can understand what's going on, I think it will empower us more to live that life and to be that witness we need to be. So the very first point is the people that he called. Notice in the verses that it said he called Peter and Andrew. It didn't say, he said, anybody wants to come, come on over, and I will make you fishers of men. What? He called them by name. He said, I want you and I want you. He probably literally called him by name and had never met him. That's, that's just Jesus. He could do that. But he called him by name just as he knows your name. Even as insignificant as you may feel before a holy God, he knows you by name. So the people that are called, here we go again, Mark 16 and 17, we're going to read it again. Now as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, Simon Peter and Andrew, Simon Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. So whom did Jesus choose the first two? Literally fishermen. Right? Jesus committed his calls to a common folk. He didn't go to the tabernacle and saw some Pharisees and says, I want you and you. He didn't do that, did he? 
He didn't go to the elite and the educated and say, I want you and you. He went to the daily person, an ordinary worker in that time, and he says, follow me. I will make you to become fishers of men. Okay? First, Paul wrote the, sort of the same thing to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians 1. I'm going to read you some verses in it. 26 to 30. It says, For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen to the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And base things of the earth and things which are despised, He has chosen, yea, the things which are not, to bring naught things that are that no flesh should glorify in His presence, but Him and in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Listen to me close. Don't insult God by saying you can't be used. That's an insult to God. If you'll say, well, I've got to clean this up, I've got to kick that habit, I've got to do better in this scenario. Well, you probably do need to do all three of those things, but God can use you if He called you right where you're at and you can become fishers of men, people that spread the Word. Okay? God's plan from all of creation was to confound and puzzle the norm. Even in the day, I'm going to get a little, uh, little off base here, even in the day when Jesus was walking and when he uh, was crucified and who was the first two at the tomb? Ladies. And ladies, I, I know you know this, I say it enough, but back in that day, your word was no good. You were no better than the shepherds that come and saw that he was talking about him being born in a stable. God uses the things that are countercultural to one to show validity for what the word is, and for two to confound the shepherds and the ladies and us and me to saying no one good enough to do it. Am I going to let do it? But I choose the ones that are that are common folk, that are everyday folks that love me, but will do whatever I say. Those people I use so you can say, it's all God. It ain't me. It's all God. That's what them verses say. Satan will tell you you're not good enough. You don't know enough. They're going to ask you something you don't know. Believe me, I've heard all that through the years in my own head. But I'm going to tell you right now, I talked about Jesus, and I'm, I'm not bragging. Don't hear me as a brag. But I talked about Jesus a long time before I come up and started preaching. 
He just had it in my mind that I believed the Bible that said, if I tell somebody, if somebody asks me a question and I honestly try to answer it, that the words will come out of my mouth that they need to hear. And it's usually something was very simple. God was faithful. He always has been, always will. But we've got to get out. Satan has got the church pretty much muzzled. We're scared to say anything. Today especially. So don't insult God by saying you can't do it. Okay? He chose fishermen. Now think about it. There's, if there's anybody more unlikely to have been a do a mighty work of God was Simon Peter. Now, I'm not talking about the Simon Peter that preached at Pentecost, which is the same one. I'm talking about the Simon Peter that couldn't get one foot out of the mouth for sticking the other one in all the time. That Peter. Every time he said something, it was just to stick his foot in his mouth. Jesus was repeatedly correcting Peter. But who did he use at Pentecost? Peter. The same Simon Peter. So have you ever got anything wrong when you said it? You're in good company. Peter did too. But it didn't stop him. God used him. Talk about Andrew. Most of you will fall, because a lot of you are shy folks. Most of y'all are going to fall into the realm of Andrew. Andrew was quiet, cunning, thoughtful. He was a one-on-one -on -one person. I'll tell you a little bit about him in a minute. God used two of the most unlikely people. One that was mouthy, that most of the time, again, was sticking his foot in his mouth when he opened it up. Used him in a mighty way at Pentecost to save 3,000 people. You read that in Acts 2, if you want to read what he said. He did not choose the elite of the day to inform and to enlighten everyone and get saved. No. He used the common person, the common man, or lady, either one. He chose them because of what he could make out of them. He knows you... And I, this, is, this is something hard to swallow. But listen to me good. God knows you better than you know yourself. And there's nobody that knows you better on this earth than you. But God knows you even better than that. Think about that. Because the whole time... Simon Peter was hanging around Jesus for the three years of ministry. I would have kicked him out a long time ago because he would have got on my nerve, every nerve I had, right? Every time he opened his mouth, it was something stupid, he said. It was wrong. Jesus was always correcting him. And when, and when Peter told Jesus, when Jesus was talking about his crucifixion, Peter said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. And he says, get behind me, Satan, before the cock crows three times. You're going to deny me. And Peter thought, that's never going to happen. What does the Bible record for us? It happened. And at the last, the third cotton, with the, when the third crow cocked, Jesus glanced and him and Peter met eye to eye. 
And Peter went away. He got it. God said, you would do it. And right as soon as Peter finished it, you know, kind of looked at him. That same Peter in Acts 2. Okay? Peter and John and James and Andrew, all four of these were used mightily of God. So much so that in that day they turned the world upside down. Four men. Because of one man, Jesus. The Bible says in Acts 4 that when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they marveled, they took that they took knowledge of them that they had been and they'd actually seen Jesus. Let me read it for you. This is Acts 4, 13. This is what they said about everything. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. Them boys ain't got no right saying that. Where's that stuff coming from? They marveled and took knowledge, in other words, affirmed, yes, that, they, that two of them that they had been with Jesus. Jesus had made something out of them because they had seen Jesus. All right, number two, it's just the purpose that he ordained for us. That's what the Great Commission is. We are to go tell. So let's look at that. What is the purpose of the Lord Jesus Christ when he was here on earth? He said, why did he leave heaven, the glories of heaven, to come to earth? Why did he suffer and die? Why did he bathe this world with his blood? Luke chapter 19 verse 10 tells us, and Jesus said that if this is, if you got one of those Bibles in red, this is in red, the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which is lost. Okay, that's why he came. If you're a follower of Christ, then your purpose is his purpose. Okay? One is following, if one is fishing, maybe. It's a promise that he gave us. We see this in Mark. He says, come after me and I will make you to become fishers of men. It doesn't mean it's going to happen overnight, but it's got to start somewhere. If it never starts, it ain't going to happen. So you've got to get started. And remember, you can't say, God can't use me. And, I, and I'll get to Andrew in a minute, but, but Andrew's going to fill a bunch of y'all. What, what it doesn't mean is that you're going to become a great fisherman overnight. That's not going to happen. But what is going to happen, if you're faithful, God will teach you what he wants you to do. Okay? But if you submit yourself to him, then he will make you to become fishers of men. Now, I'm not saying everybody's going to become a preacher. Don't, don't hear that when I say fishers of men. I'm talking about people that go out. I'm talking about people that maybe do lessons for the church. I'm talking about people that maybe do... Uh, missionary works. I'm talking about people that may um, lead Bible studies where they work at, uh, when you know during breaks or something. I I'm talking about those type folks. He calls some to be pastors. He does, but make no mistake about it. When I say this, I am responsible before a holy God for what I tell everyone under my care, and I take that word seriously. 
you as a fisher of men minus a pastorate are responsible for what comes out of your mouth. But in the same sense, you're responsible for what comes out of your mouth 24 hours a day as well. So we need to make sure we understand that we are to be fishers of men. Now, uh, teachers, you have a captive audience. Legislation has come into place that sort of muffles a, a teacher with the gospel. I mean, we did that years ago, taking out prayer. We've done lots of things to minimize the effect of what you can do. But there's still, God is not outsmarted by any stretch. That did not catch him off guard. The, the plight that we're in now as a nation, we're still on the march. Our marching orders have not changed. It is a process that we got us first start somewhere and then let the Lord teach us. Here's a cute little illustration I found. A wife liked, just, this is generic, I'm not talking about mine, I said a wife likes to go window shopping, and her husband asked her one day, why do you call it shopping? You never buy anything. She said, well, why do you call it fishing? You never catch nothing. Just because we're fishers of men does not mean you're going to carry a crown of 3,000 or more with you. That, there's no promise of that. But y'all just think if there's that one, just that one, that you personally... God uses you in such a mighty way, they become saved because of you. To me, that would be the most wonderful thing. That God was able to use a bumbling fool like me to save anybody is a small miracle in itself. And if he can do that with me, he can do that with you. But you've got to get out of that mindset. You've got to break that stronghold of, a, of Satan in your life that says, you can't. They'll make a fool out of you. You can't. That's Satan, by the way. You do know that, right? That's not God. God said, do it. I want to read something out of Luke 5. I'm going to read about 10 verses. This is Luke chapter 5. And it's sort of a, it's a real, it's a real good story. Luke chapter 5, verse 10 verses. It came to pass. That as the people were pressing, this is talking about Jesus, pressed him to hear the words of God, he stood by the lake and saw two ships standing at the lake. In other words, they were docked. But the fishermen were gone out of them, and they were washing their nets. He entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, Simon Peter, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little, thrust the boat out a little bit from land, and he sat down and taught the people, that's Jesus, out of the ship. Okay, Jesus taught, sitting down. Now when he, had left, when he had left speaking and said unto Simon, launch out into the deep, that's again, that's still Simon Peter, let down your nets for a draught. And Simon answered and said, listen to this. And Simon said unto him, Master, we have told all night. Bladen County English Master, I've been up all night fishing, haven't caught squat. Okay, you go back to the Bible. And he said, we have taken nothing. Nevertheless, key, key part, nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when he had done this, the Bible tells us, they enclosed a great multitude of fish, 
that, that the net, such a great multitude of fish that their net break. And they beckoned for their partners, which were with them in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and they filled both of the ships so that they began to sink. I.e., that's a bunch of fish. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees and said, Depart from me. For I am a sinful man. O oh Lord, for he was astonished, and all that were with him for the, at the draught of the fishes, the mighty cove of fishes that were caught. And so also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon Peter. And Jesus said to Simon Peter, Fear not, for henceforth thou shalt catch men. Even at the amount of fish they caught blowed away these seasoned fishermen. You, there's no way to really understand the magnitude of fish that were caught. Because we say, oh, it would break the nets and almost sunk the ship. I mean, if you can try, I mean, all you got to do is pick the size of the boat, two boats, and sink it with, with fish. That's a bunch of fish. Jesus performed this miracle by itself to teach those four men, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, that if you trust me, I can do anything, even something you don't believe can happen, and if you've never seen happen, you trust me and it will happen. So what are the four steps in Luke 5? One, you got to launch a boat. we got to get out there, boat, folks. we got to go out. We've got to launch the boat. We've got to go out in the water. That's where most of us fail. We never kind of start. we got to start. We're going to have to launch out. We're going to have to do something. We're going to have to take that stand. We're going to have to... Uh, maybe there's something happening around you at your work or a place you visit or whatever, and there's maybe a Bible study there already, maybe, just for instance. And, 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 and you think, well, it's going just fine. They don't need my help. I'll, uh, I'll attend and I'll be just real quiet. Well, maybe it's time for you to say something. Maybe not. But you're going to have to say, by the grace of God, I'm going to get in that boat and I'm going to get that boat off the shore. I'm going to launch it into the deep. I don't know about you, but I've never caught a fish at the house, especially in the living room. I haven't caught any. Just can't, I don't know why. I just haven't caught one. I've got fishing line, hooks, rods in the house. have yet to catch a fish in the house. What's the problem? Preacher, you're stupid. You need to get at least near some water, right? So we've got to get out there where they're at. It's kind of hard to do a, uh, a um, kind of hard to fish when you're not in the right element. So you need to make sure you go out wherever he leads or wherever he points. So you've got to go fishing. Your fishing can be at a, a counter, an encounter with someone at maybe the supermarket or what. I mean, it's not, you ain't got to go banging on doors. People may shoot you for that now. But, but God will put you in places if you'll, Humbly pray to him and say, listen, God, use me. Make me the person you need to be that others will see you in us and give me the words that I need that others can be saved and know the grace that I see in my life. He will put people in your place. Period. He will do it. So you better watch it if you're going to pray about it. Because he'll do it. Remember Simon said in verse 5 of Luke 5, Master, we have worked or told all night, and we have taken nothing, colon. Nevertheless, at thy word, 
I will let down the net. That is a, that, to me, that, that, that's almost marching orders. Lord, you had not done nothing with me yet. I'm X amount of years old. I've stumbled and bumbled, but by your word, I'm going to do it again. That's what our marching orders need to be this year. Didn't Jesus say that without him, we can do nothing? A lot of people have endeavored to win people over, but they didn't win because they were working with the energy of their flesh. In other words, you can't save anybody. I can't save anybody. I can preach the Word, I can teach, I can talk, I can do whatever I can do, but I cannot save anybody. It is a work of God in a person's life to become saved. We're merely to be the messengers that says the Word. We've got to tell that gospel, that good news. If you think about it, Jesus in His plan for redemption said, I want the common, ordinary folks of the day to be so in love with me that they can't contain themselves and it just oozes out. And people are going to get saved because of it. Okay? Nevertheless, at thy word. That's just a beautiful four letters. Nevertheless, at thy word. And God... And Jesus did a miracle upon miracle upon miracle that day on that sea with all them fish. Let's think about it just for a moment. God controls everything, even the fish. We worry about X, Y, and Z. When the creator and the sustainer of this world maintains, has dominion over, and diverts here and there is His will, everything. That's the only thing really different between humans and everything else. You do know that. That, that's what makes humanity what it is. Otherwise, we're doing exactly the animals, the bo- even the mosquitoes. Think about it the next time a mosquito bites you and say, thanks, Lord. I, lo- I need that little pint of blood. But he controls everything. Think about it. In Egypt, what did he send? Plagues, what were they? Grasshoppers. Turning water to blood, everything, he controls it all. We get so built up with hostility and negativity, and he's controlling everything. Because, think about this, if you, if you literally talk somebody into being saved, if, if I talk any of you into being saved, if it's not the work of the Holy Spirit, I promise you there's somebody Way smarter than me that'll talk you out of it. Okay? Anything anybody can talk you into, there's somebody smarter that will talk you out of it. So we can't win people by just words and by cute lyrics or anything like that. It has to be a work of God in their lives and the Holy Spirit. Okay? We also got to let down the net. What is the net really considered in this illustration? If you use this story as an illustration, the net would really be the gospel. 
the boat would be the world. Us getting in will be getting about doing it. We've got to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with people God puts before us. What is the gospel? If you're just confused or a little gray on it, there's two verses in the Bible that really sum it up great. You may want to have this on your like your kitchen or something table. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4. It's the gospel in a nutshell. And I'm going to read it for you. How that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day. That's the gospel. That's the good news. Period. That's it. It's all about Jesus. Okay? So don't be discouraged if you fail. Because people that have been here a long time know that a lot of people hadn't come down. There's been people, don't get me wrong, but there hadn't been like droves every Sunday. Right? Someone, and I won't say who it is, but, but their president today said, I don't understand how you continually do it Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. And people would just sit there like, they, he didn't say this, but people just sit there like they got glue on their behind, they won't move. I said, I can't move anybody if God doesn't do it. Right? I can't. You can't either, by the way. Again, verse 5 of Luke says, Peter said, Master, we have toiled all night. Look, I know better, but there ain't no fish out there. I have toiled all night. There's none. Got nothing. Jesus said, go out and do it again. Peter said, okay. Did he think he would catch anything? I promise you he didn't think he'd catch what he caught, and I'm going to just put that out for you. I'm pretty sure of that. Okay? So in conclusion, think about this. Jesus worked through him. Peter caught a bunch of fish. And in Acts 2, like I said before, he preached at Pentecost. The Bible records 3,000 people at one time were saved. Okay? But I promised you about another man in the boat, Andrew, didn't I? This probably, this probably gets more of y'all than Peter. Andrew didn't preach on the day of Pentecost when 3,000 of people were saved. That wasn't Peter. Andrew was a quiet person, just like some of you. But listen to me, quick, closely. Read it, read it up and, and make sure you tell, I'm telling you the truth, but I'm not going to tell you where it's at. Andrew was the one, when they fed the 5,000 that brought the little boy up there that said, Jesus, this boy's got some food, three loaves and some fish. That was Andrew. And a lot of you that I know personally from being here for a while are more of an Andrew type. You're a little more quiet. You're calculating. You don't open your mouth a lot, but when you open it up, you might want to be listening when they open their mouth. Okay? That's Andrew. Quiet and calculating. What was Peter? A pop-off, right? Boop, boop, boop. He popped off a bunch. God was able to use him. He preached a lot, but at one time, saved. Preached and 3,000 souls were saved. God poured his blessing out on a sermon that Peter preached. 
Andrew, very much, pretty much an introvert, Andrew was in the day. But God used him too. Think about it, Andrew, really, he was the one that also brought the Greeks to Jesus when they wanted to be. He, he was like a one-on-one -on -one worker, and that's what a lot of you might be. We all might not be preachers, but we all can be reachers. That's a P, preachers without a P, reachers. We, we might all be preachers. Some of you might be, I mean, you know, but not everyone's to be a preacher, but we're all to be a reacher. We might not catch 3,000 with our net, but we might just catch one, or we might catch more than one. And you don't know how many you're going to catch until you get started and see what God wants to do with you. It might be a whole bunch, and I pray it is. But Jesus said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So the question is today, are you ready to go fishing? Let's pray. Dear God, as we're here today, Lord, what a... What a challenging story to, to, to look at. Lord, it, 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 pre it should preach to everyone here, Lord, that we need to be your hands and feet. Lord, by your grace and your grace alone, was me or anybody in this room that is saved, got saved. Lord, when we understand that truth, and that becomes a truth in our lives that, we, that resonates with us, and we understand that, Lord, we'll go out and we'll tell others, say, listen, it can happen for you as well. Lord, we love you. Lord, we thank you for your amazing grace. Lord, if there's anyone in this room or within the sound of my voice that does not know you, Lord, I pray that they can come to a saving knowledge of grace before it's ever too late. Lord, we be careful to give you the honor and the praise and the glory for it all. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.